1: Well, look who's writing an editorial in the Columbus Dispatch. It's none other than our esteemed mayor, Andrew J. Ginther. Let's go through it, shall we? The headline is, Columbus area communities must stop adding jobs without allowing new homes and people. Now, Andrew did not write the headline, I am sure. Uh, I'm not so sure that that's the case anymore. Of people in journalism. Back in the day when I was at the plane dealer, uh, you definitely did not write your own headlines. And sometimes it was um, a problem when a headline would not really reflect accurately the tenor of your story. Now I do believe the writers write the headlines because you know, with newspapers bleeding red ink, they've had to uh, jettison their copy editors and copy desks. So you have more control over your headline now than you ever have before but i doubt they asked the mayor to write this headline uh it's probably enough that either he or someone wrote it for him who runs it under his byline but he is decrying uh the fact that we have too few houses too few apartments affordable ones for the populace given the fact that we are supposedly booming economically we have all kinds of new businesses coming here point he makes He says that in the year since Intel announced its imminent arrival in central Ohio, Ohio has welcomed 47 company expansions and new locations, including the big Honda battery plant that they're breaking ground for today down in Fayette County. Uh, So he calculates that to mean 26,000 and change new jobs, but only, he says, 12,289 new homes. Does that seem like a really low number compared to the number of jobs? If you got 12,000 new homes, most people who come here, I would think, are married or, unfortunately, cohabitating. That doesn't seem like a low number to me. So I don't know that his premise is accurate, but let's proceed through this and see uh, how else the mayor does. He says, we need to build one new home for every job we add moving forward. Really? Clearly, we missed the goal in 2022. We are on pace to miss it again in 2023. Who was mayor in 2022? Oh, he was. Who was president in 2022? Oh, his Democratic buddy Joe Biden was. Uh, Underbuilding housing, Mayor Ginther continues, has consequences in 2022. Who was mayor again? Oh, he was. Rent for a two-bedroom apartment rose more than 13%. Let's stop right there. In 2022, rent for a two-bedroom apartment rose more than 13%. Can anyone think of a reason why apartment rent rose 13% in 2022? What causes things to go up? Lack of supply relative to demand, right? So why would we have had too few apartments and a greater demand for apartments in 2022? Could it be because, well, I don't know, inflation caused the Federal Reserve to raise interest rates, thus making the purchase of a new home less of a doable exercise for most people because all of a sudden, if you were looking for, let's say, a three-bedroom, one-bath home, your monthly payment, let's just in round numbers, would have been around $1,000. Now, because of interest rates going up, your payment goes up to, I don't know what, $1,200, $1,300, $1,400 1200 1300 1400 maybe, $1,500. Can't afford a house. Where are you going to live if you can't afford a house? An apartment. Oh, more people want apartments. Gee, I have apartments. Why would I rent my apartment for $1,100 a month when I could rent it for 1250 See, that's the market at work. That's the free market at work. Andrew Ginther opposes that. And he notes the average home price in Central Ohio went up 10%. From two from an average of two hundred and ninety one thousand to three hundred and eighteen thousand same factors at work, same factors at work if you have a shortage of homes, the value of your own home is going to go up. Remember there for a while when everybody would put their house on the market and they'd have three offers the day they put their house on the market, It'd be fifty thousand dollars over why Why did that happen? People stupid no, they're not stupid. They knew there weren't very many houses out there, and so they were. Buying them quickly. Now you say, wait, you're making Ginter's point. No, I'm not making Ginther's point. Ginther is advocating for rent and price controls on homes, and he is re- and he is advocating for building homes in certain areas where the jobs are. He's advocating through the rest of this piece for zoning changes and all these kinds of things. He is all about manipulating the market, not letting the free market work, okay, when it is profitable for builders or big companies to build homes, rest assured they will build them, rest assured they will build them. But when it is problematic for them to build homes because, man, we got to charge, so lumber is so high services are so high. Plumbing is so high. Electrical is so high. Every service is so high that by the time we build this home, nobody's going to want to buy it. And if we build this home in an area of town where maybe we can build it more affordably, we'll get it all done. And our fear is people won't want to live there. You'll notice that Pulte and Dominion and all the big home builders, you notice where they build their housing developments? They build them in Hilliard. They build them in Dublin. They build them in Canal Winchester. They build them in Plain City. Do they build them in Linden? Do they build them in the Hilltop? Do they build them on the Near East Side? No, they don't. Now, why not? The land there would be, I would think, a lot cheaper than it is out in the suburbs. But the reason why they don't build them there is because nobody wants to live there. Now, is that something Andrew Ginther could do something about? I mean, he's the mayor of Columbus, right? Why do people not want to live in those areas of town? primarily because it's not safe. If it's not safe in those areas of town, does anyone know someone who could perhaps have any impact on it becoming more safe in those areas of town? Why, yes, that would be Andrew J. Ginther, and that would be his police chief. But there's a problem trying to make it safer to live in Franklinton and on the Near East Side and in Linden. And the problem is, well, it's twofold. Number one, you don't have enough police to do it, because you chased off all your experienced officers because racism. And number two, you have a philosophical problem with exacting consequences for crime. Even if you had the cops to make neighborhoods more safe and to let the market realize, you know what, Uh, this area of town is pretty safe. This area of town, they've cleaned it up. This area of town is a place where we might build homes. Because look, if they're working downtown, I mean, coming in from the hilltop, we can't get any more convenient, right? Boom, right down Broad Street. Bam, you're at work. But that's not happening. Because crime in the city of Columbus is driving people where? Not to the inner city. It's driving people farther and farther and farther out. And it's driving the home builders farther and farther and farther out because they want to get away. They want their families to grow up someplace where it is safe. So this editorial, it makes some points that, you know, you could look at and say, hmm, boy, that's a problem. We're not building enough homes. Well, the reason why we're not building enough homes is because market conditions caused by democratic policies have taken the incentive away from home builders to build homes in certain parts of town. I've like told you before, I live out in Madison County in the little village where I live right now. There are four, four major developments under construction. Why do you think there are four under construction in the little area where I live? Because about five years ago, Dominion came in and thought, let's try building a development out here. And they had a three-year plan to develop that particular area in three phases. What happened? What happened? All three phases sold out in the first year and a half. So what signal went up to home builders all over central Ohio? Wow, that area is hot, man. Let's go in there. Let's build one. So they're building one here, there, there, and there. The market attends to these kinds of issues. But if you're in the mayor's office, rather than telling people, you need to build it here and you need to make it affordable. If you're going to impose your will on the ability of private enterprise to make a profit, they're going to ignore you, and they're going to go where you're not going to constrain them in the way that you are. So there is a lot going on in Washington today. At the Supreme Court, they are hearing oral arguments on the legality of Joe Biden's student loan forgiveness, uh, $400 billion worth of student loan forgiveness. But they are also, of course, in Washington trying to not pay attention to the leaked report from the Energy Department that says that COVID originated in a lab in Wuhan, China. So a lot going on in Washington, and it's easy to lose our focus on other things that are going on that are extremely, extremely important. But I noticed this morning there was congressional testimony on the matter of fentanyl and the southern border. And I did not want this day to pass without playing for you the searing testimony of a mom from Michigan who lost two sons, two, to fentanyl poisoning. They thought they were taking Percocet, They were taking straight fentanyl. Both of them died. Here is Rebecca Kiesling before Congress this morning.
2: He says that fentanyl deaths rose 22% from 2020 to 2021. I mean, it's unbelievable. You would think that one death from fentanyl coming across our southern border would be enough to sound the alarm. And my kid's story was high profile because three young people died. There was another child from our hometown who died the same day. It wasn't in the news. You don't hear about it because it was just one death. So it wasn't like extraordinary. I found out from the um, funeral home that they have tons of these cases regularly. I'm from Rochester Hills, Michigan. Michigan. We were, you know, in Money Magazine, right, ranked in top ten cities, live in America a few years ago. Um, our school is uh, top five in Michigan. But they, this all started at the schools. And the law enforcement aren't doing all they can, but they usually don't have leads. You have to stop it from its source. Now, if we had Chinese troops lining up along our southern border with weapons aimed at our people, with weapons of mass destruction aimed at our cities. You damn well know you would do something about it. We have a weather balloon from China going across our country. Nobody died, and everybody's freaking out about it. But 100,000 die every year? And nothing's being done. Not enough is being done. Numbers are going up, not down. And you talk about children being taken away from their parents. My children were taken away from me. A hundred thousand Americans every year are having their children. Two hundred thousand, because it's both parents, right? Are having their children taken away from them. This should not be politicized. It's not about race. Fentanyl doesn't care about race. You say you talk about welcoming those crossing our border, seeking protection. You're welcoming drug dealers across our border. You're giving them protection. You're not protecting our children. I've been support groups on Facebook. With there's thousands of parents who have lost their children. Every day, faces are added. It's dehumanizing. It's demoralizing.
1: And she went on. And I played that for you because it's easy to get desensitized to the headlines. I mean, every single day, it seems, we get, "Ah, 1,000 pounds of fentanyl seized, 500 pills seized. These are real people. It's been said every town's a border town. Every town is a border town. I know someone who lost their son because they got addicted to opioids after a surgery. These two young men that she's talking about, her sons, Kyler and Caleb, 18 and 20 years old, uh, their addiction started supposedly innocent enough with vaping. Then they started taking Xanax in the ninth grade. They began abusing drugs. Their parents called the cops repeated times, trying to get them arrested, trying to get them jailed, trying to get them away from these drugs until eventually, in July of 2020, they and a teenage girl were found in a hotel, unconscious, and all three had overdosed. They had taken what they thought, as I said, were Percocet, painkillers, opioids, and it was all fentanyl, and they died. Now, I know it's very easy to look at somebody who's addicted and say, well, that'll never happen to me, but there are myriad stories out there of kids who took something that was apparently innocuous, seemingly harmless, and the pill was tainted, and they had no addiction, and they died. And I think it's important to listen to the pain in her voice and to understand that the Biden administration knows this is going on. One of the guys sitting there for that testimony today was Benny Thompson, the longest-serving African-American representative in the House of Representatives from Mississippi. You know the name Benny Thompson. You've seen Benny Thompson on the news. Have you seen Benny Thompson invested in getting the fentanyl crisis solved? Is that what Benny Thompson has been super-duper interested in over the past year and a half? No. You know what he's been super-duper interested in? He's been super-interested and heavily involved in talking about the dangers of Donald Trump and the January 6th insurrection. He was the chairman of that dog-and-pony show committee that had primetime hearings. So... As long as the people who can put pressure on Alejandro Mayorkas and as long as the people in Congress who can furnish our border patrol, the resources and the protections that they need. No, no, no. Instead, we had our president jump to the conclusion that border patrol, which was using horses to keep migrants from streaming across our border, they were strapping them. They were whipping them. They will pay, Joe Biden said. They were exonerated. Does Joe Biden apologize? No. Do they care about the southern border? They don't care about the southern border. They don't care about Rebecca Kiesling's sons. They don't care about the toll this is taking on our country. And I still think we are on borrowed time before someone who has come into our country across the southern border is going to stage a terrorist-type attack that will, in its devastation, compare to 9-11. See, that was an elaborate scheme, and it took years and years and years, and um, Muslim extremists had to masquerade as people who wanted to be Americanized and get their pilot's license and learn how to fly planes. It's going to be a lot easier the next time. It's going to be a lot easier the next time. we we'll just let them walk right across our southern border. We'll probably give them a cell phone and a hotel. We'll probably bus them to the city they want to go to. Meanwhile, more American kids will die. Because the Biden administration, they just don't care. They don't care. Her tears will stick with you, but not with them.
2: Our little brother says the word, dodo word, 40 times a day